Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is a show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. The topic of how we actualize our potential has long been a fascinating one to me. What habits do we need to examine and perhaps let go of to be a better version of ourselves? What builds courage in our lives? My guest today is Dr. Benjamin Hardy, and he is someone who has been exemplary at putting his principles to the test. He has evolved himself into a prolific writer and thought leader with content that continually has you think and examine yourself and the results that you produce. This is not just about productivity, though. He examines the psychology and inner workings of what creates your results and gives you new tools to set a different course for yourself. Dr. Benjamin Hardy is an organizational psychologist and the best-selling author of Willpower Doesn't Work. From 2015 to 2018, he was the number one writer in the world on Medium.com. His blogs are read by millions every month. Ben and his wife, Lauren, adopted three children from the foster system in February of 2018, and one month later, Lauren got pregnant with twins who were born on December of 2018. Here is my interview with Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Okay, I'm here with Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Ben, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Happy to be with you. It's really cool to be with you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I discovered your writing, uh, God, it's been a number of years. Uh, You're a really good writer. You're really prolific. You crank out tons of content. It's just, I've gotten so much out of reading uh, your blog articles and your books. And first off, nice work on all your writing. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and uh, and the, the first thing I wanted to ask you, on BenjaminHardy.com, on the hero image, you've got this awesome, for, for graphic designers, I highly recommend you go to look at uh, Ben's uh, website because he's got this great hero image. It looks almost like you're coming up with like a skateboard ramp. It's got like this industrial look and it looks like you're like 15 feet in the air on a skateboard, but you don't really see a skateboard. And I wanted to ask you, like, how did you come up with the idea for it? And then how did you execute it? It almost looks like you're coming down on a skateboard, but there's no skateboard in sight. Yeah. What this is, this is actually at the Great Salt Lake in, in Utah. Mm. Um, and I, that's actually literally me jumping. So I, 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 I've done a lot of box jumps. I mean, I'm probably like three and a half, four feet in the air. Okay. Um, but I'm jumping off that ledge. There's pro- it was probably like a 10 or 15, probably a 15 foot run, you know, run and then jump. Yeah. And so I jumped as high as I could suck my legs up and I fly probably like 10 or 15 feet into a bunch of sand. Uh. And and so like below where the rock, I mean, where the cement is, it's probably like seven, it's probably five feet drop from from like the cement. But I'm obviously like probably four feet above that, probably three or four feet above that. So I'm, I just run and just jumped as high and far as I could. And we probably, we, we even filmed it, but it's just something that, you know, I've used in various, various times. It's really cool. It really, it conveys a lot. It's really well shot. I was like, wow, that's a, that's something you don't see all the time. So you, you described in one of your articles, what uh, an upper limit problem, what is an upper limit problem for our listeners? Like what, what comes with that? What is that exactly? Yeah. So this comes from the book by Gay Hendricks, um, The Big Leap, mm-hmm. really good book. 
this is a book for people who are already succeeding big. Mm -hmm. And I think that this helps you go to the next level. Mm. Um, Basically what the upper limit problem is, according to Gay Hendricks, and again, this is his concept, but Mm -hmm. basically it's the idea of subconscious self-sabotage. So basically whenever you start succeeding in one area of your life, subconsciously you're going to try to sabotage yourself in other areas, Mm -hmm. you know, so that you can kind of divert your success, you know? So, you know, you see someone who's, making progress in business, but then they start sabotaging themselves and their family. You know what I mean? Right, and so like, right. it's just the idea that as people, you know, emotionally, cause your subconscious is very much emotional. It's very yep. much emotional and, and you've got this emotional equilibrium or whatnot. And so if you start becoming happy, but you you spend most of your time used to being sad. And when you start moving forward in your life, you're going to do everything you can subconsciously to pull yourself back to sadness and to ruin your life. Right. So that's the upper limit problem. It's just that people, once they start moving forward in their life, they subconsciously ruin themselves to pull themselves back to their homeostasis. Yeah. I noticed that like things will be going really well. And then all of a sudden I'll start bickering with my wife, you know, just like, it's it's crazy. And and I'm like, I think it's me, you know, things are going really well. I, I think I'm the one that's, that's doing this, you know, like, I'm getting testy or impatient about something and I wasn't doing that the past couple of weeks, but all of a sudden I'm like, you know, kind of bitchy or whatever. And I'm like, why am I doing that exactly? You know, and it's, I think it's this very thing that you're talking about. So, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I think the ever limit problem is interesting, man. Cause like once you make a progress, don't pull yourself back, like pull everything forward with you. But that, you know, subconsciously, I think we just want to pull, we have emotional equilibrium, you know? And so yeah. we want to get back to that. And you yeah. gotta, you gotta get used to being happy. You gotta get used to things being good. Yeah. Oh, I think you said something there with the homeostasis that, you know, we, we get a little, the subconscious mind starts to get a little freaked if homeostasis starts to get, you know, the, the floor starts getting higher quicker. It kind of says, you know, wait, 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 you're not, that's not who you are. You got to get down to this lower level, you know, like slow progress. So um, you, you said that you said to be careful. This one spoke with me, spoke to me. You said, be careful not to overconsume junk right before bed. And you said, quote, junk food and social media at night hurts your momentum. And this, you, you could have been speaking right to me because I'm a healthy person, but sometimes late at night, I won't get, I know, I noted in your writing that you get to bed early and it creates all this momentum. I'm not, I'm kind of a night owl, but maybe that's because my subconscious mind is self-sabotaging because I can all of a sudden get in potato chips and I'll get on Twitter and, or Instagram. And there's no good reason for me to be doing any of it. Like it's not going anywhere and I'm, I'm passing on rest, but I never really put two and two together. Like when, when you said it's hurting your momentum, I went, Whoa, how is that? So I wanted you to speak about that a little bit and just, you know, coach me a little bit since some of our listeners probably are also, Oh, nothing to do here. Let me jump on Facebook or social media or, Oh, there's some cookies in the cupboard and it's 1030 at night. Oh, maybe I'll just do that. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of goes into the science on willpower and just kind of the idea that after you've gone through the day, by the end of your day, your willpower is going to be lower than at the beginning of the day, you yeah. know, like, yeah. and so usually when you have low power, low willpower, you don't make long, high quality, long-term thinking decisions. You know, uh, you're more focused on short-term decision-making, which is more focused on immediate gratification, which is focused on seeking immediate release dopamine. Yeah. So that's why, you know, you would probably not be thinking about your future self. You're probably thinking about your current preferences, which is to binge out on junk food and to just yep. seek a bunch of high dopamine 
distraction, essentially, yeah. which obviously destroys momentum. It destroys, you know, it's essentially present focused behavior at the expense of your future self. Yeah, and that's great. Obviously, if you want momentum, you want to make decisions based on what your future self prefers, not what your current self prefers. Kills yeah. confidence because you're, you're watching yourself make decisions that you already know are not pulling you anywhere and your behavior shapes your identity. So you're watching yourself engage in behaviors that are ultimately making you believe that you're less, you know, you're less than you really are. And they would yeah. basically lead you to not believing your future self, the goals you really have are possible. So that's yeah. why it kills confidence. That's great. That's really well said. Thanks for that. Um, there's a quote that you have um, by Elaine, Elaine de Bottom says, uh, anyone who isn't embarrassed of who they were last year probably isn't learning enough. I think I love this quote so much. It's so good. Um, how, and I wanted to ask you, how does our fear of being wrong limit us? Um, and how do we overcome this fear? This is, this is so pervasive in the ego. Um, and I see it in myself. I see it in the people that I know, this kind of real positional, uh, you know, I see it in politics. I see it in the people that follow politics. I mean, just like this fear of being wrong is like so sometimes the water that we swim in. Um, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And then we can talk about our, a little bit about our first books and our experience of that. But I want to just talk about the fear of being wrong with you first. Yeah. I mean, that's really the thing that stopped me from writing for several years. Mm. You know, and I think I wrote about that in the article, even potentially that you're referencing. And thank you yeah. for doing so much homework. <laughs> it's really yeah, cool. Yeah, sure. Jumping all over the place like this. Um, yeah, I think fear of being wrong is one of the reasons why people like labels. If you call yourself an introvert, then like you don't really have to just, you're justified in not doing something. If you, call, if you say you're not good at creativity, then you're justified in not being creative. And so for me, I was, when I, so I want, I learned that I, you know, I decided really that I wanted to be a writer mm-hmm. when I was serving a church mission. This was back in like 29, just 2009, 2009, mm-hmm. 2010. I was like, okay, I want to write books. This is amazing. I was mm-hmm. really getting into journaling and stuff. I didn't do it until 2015 though, like five years later, because I did have that fear of being wrong. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Yep. And, you know, obviously that limited me. And, you know, where I am right now with things is that nothing I know is perfectly right. You know, I've got a very limited perspective, right? And so yep. like, I, I do, I, I'm on the right track in many areas of my life, but nothing I see is perfect. You know, I, I have a, I have biases and all these things. And so, you know, it's that whole quote from Stephen Covey, we don't see the world as it is, we see the world as we are. Yes. And, you know, how you see the world right now is different from how you saw the world, you know, at least from Elaine Day Button's perspective, it's hopefully a lot different than you see the world a year ago. Hopefully you're a right. different person to some degree than you were a year ago. And, you know, if you're going to make, if you're not the same person you were a year ago, then your future self is probably going to be different as well. Correct. And so you should probably be not holding so tight to your current perspectives and you should be open to change. Um, and I, I really like this viewpoint because, you know, I like the quote, better prolific than perfect, um, better done than perfect as well. Like there's another quote as well that really helps my thinking. It's that a painting is never finished. It simply ends in an interesting place. Yeah. Um, you know, I like that because like I, I've put out so many blog posts and none of them were ever finished. Right. They were all unfinished thoughts, you know, but I put them out as a done blog post, like even these books that I, we're talking about, like yeah. these are not finished products. They're no, nothing's ever finished. It's just, yeah. you just have to say they're done at some point. Exactly. Uh, if I was still writing willpower doesn't work, it would be a different book now. And instead it's an interesting painting that finished in a, you know, that ended in a semi weird place. 
we we had this similar experience. You you mentioned that with your first book, you weren't embarrassed by it, but you're different now, and so you have a different perspective. I wrote my first book in 2014, mm-hmm. and I'm super proud of it. But it's yeah. not, it's not the book. You know, it's like this. It's like a musician that makes his first album, and he's like, you know, I you know I've gotten a lot better on guitar since then. You know, but um, and just some of the writing, like I'm really proud of, and some I'm like, you know. I don't know if I feel quite that confident in that particular thing now, you know, like, so um, yeah, it's the same kind of thing where I feel, you know, proud that I put it out there. I stand by it, but also if I was to write it again, it would be different. um, And it would be, I think better, you know, uh, my, my perspective is different and a little bit more multi-layered now. I've got more wisdom now than I did six years ago. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it was interesting to hear you say that, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's not exactly embarrassment. I'm like, that's it. That's what he's saying it perfectly. Like it's not embarrassment. It's just not who you are now, you know? Yeah. yeah and I like that view. Cause then you don't have to hold your current view so f- tightly, right? You that's can, great. you can be far more flexible with your current self. You know, that's, I think where Carol Dweck's work really matters. You know, Carol Dweck wrote the book mindset. She's the one who coined the terms fixed mindset and growth mindset. Yep. And basically what she found was that basically people with a fixed mindset are defined by where they're at right now. You Mm -hmm. know, she actually calls it the tyranny of now, you know, it's the, you know, you're stuck, right. You're defined by whatever you are right now. Whereas people with a growth mindset, they just say, not yet, you know, it's like, I'm not quite there yet, but like, so now you're not defined by now. Actually you get to, she says, luxuriate in the power of now, or sorry, sorry, sorry. Luxuriate in the power of yet. That's great. I love that. In one of your articles you wrote, um, uh, the secret to oh, the title was the secret to upgrading your entire life in three to five years. You you write really good titles for your articles, by the way. You, <laughs> you kind of have to if you want to get read. Yeah, you definitely do. Um, so the secret to upgrading your entire life in three to five years. What is the secret to upgrading your entire life? Yeah, or, I mean, a, I think or maybe to, a secret. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, I think that there's a few things. One is you've got to let go of your current and former identity. You know, one thing that's important to realize is that the past is just a story. Yeah. Uh, and in many ways, you know, many people tell the same story over and over and over about mm-hmm. who they were and about why they're that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the past is really a meaning. Like even trauma is a meaning. You know, it's, it's a meaning you've given to an experience and to yourself as a result. And you can change those meanings. And so I think half of the equation is actually changing your emotions and your meaning that you give to former experiences and letting go of your former identity. But, you know, fundamentally it's about clarifying who your future self is. There's so much good research on this, but like you have to actually decide who your future self is. Um, That's a decision you make, not a discovery. And, you know, it's up to you how clear you want to get about who your future self is, but the clearer you get about your future self, the better you'll be able to make decisions today. If you don't know who you want to be in the future, then it doesn't matter who you are today. And so, well, you, you said too, you said too, something that, that stood out in that article is that, and I love this, is that many people do not have a big enough vision of their future self. In other words, they, they don't really live in mission or yep. they, don't, they don't live a specific enough mission. And you gave an example where you said, look, I knew I wanted to be a, um, a best-selling author um, and I needed to just reverse engineer that and walk that back to become my future self of a best-selling author. There was steps that I needed to take and I needed to know what those were. I don't know if people get that specific. I think people tend to draw real, uh, you know, I want to be, I want to be a good person or I want to be a successful entrepreneur. It's a, it's, 
That's it's not very good. <laughs> it's, a, you know, it's, it's intellectually lazy. It, it, it's, it's, you're directing yourself, your subconscious self. And if you just say, I want to be a good person, well, there's a lot of ways that can show up. That bar is not that high, really. And well, it's also not that specific. No, no, I mean, it's you not. Can't, you can't actually reverse engineer a process. Right. Like, you know, like, you know, just as a thought, like you can't actually understand someone's process without understanding their goal. You know, you and I may both be interested in self-improvement, but that that's so broad that you may, that because we both have a goal of learning, then we might read similar books, but there's, there would be different reasons why we'd be reading those books. I might right. be reading them so I could write about them. And so like, in order to actually have a good process, which we would call deliberate practice in mm-hmm. psychology, you have to have a very specific destination, a very specific future. And your process is only as good as the clarity of your goal. Your motivation is only as good as the clarity of your goal. Like you mm-hmm. can't create a specific path to somewhere if you just want to, you know, if I just want to get to Asia, you know, then like I could take many different planes to different places, right? right but right. like if I, if I want to get to Shanghai, right, then like that, that's a more specific route. Yeah. And that, so it's a different process. And I don't hear, I don't hear very many men, since I, I work a lot with men, being that specific about where they're going. I, a lot of times they're a, problem. they're a little, they're a little <laughs> a huge too, problem. They're a little too vague. Um, uh, or they've got some words put together as a mission, but uh, it's, it's open to interpretation. It's not really like, this is where I'm going with things. This is where I want to get to in three to five years or, you know, whatever the time frame is. So. Yep. I think that that's a, a, an issue. It's it, it, Well, it's basically the Alice in Wonderland thing. You know, Alice, you know, Alice asked the cat, you know, where should I go? And he's like, well, it depends on where you want to, you know, what she said, what direction should I go? And he's like, well, it depends on where you're trying to get to. And she's like, well, I don't know where I'm trying to go. That doesn't really doesn't matter, matter where you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I like the quote from Dan Sullivan. He says, the only way to make your present better is by making your future bigger. Because mm. um, mm. if you have a big future, then that requires that you be doing things today to get there. And obviously you need a specific future as well. Yeah. You wrote, I don't, you wrote in uh, either the, your book or one of the articles, I didn't put it down, but it's, you wrote, quote, tell me what you say yes to, and I'll tell you who you are, unquote. What did you mean by that exactly? I mean, we say yes to everything on a daily basis. I said yes to talking to you. You said mm-hmm. yes to talking to me. So here we are. You know what yep. I mean? Everything, yep. everything you're spending your time and attention on is something you're saying yes to. You know, everything mm-hmm. you put in your brain or your body is something you're saying yes to. So it's just the idea that what, you know, whatever you're saying yes to, that's who you are and who you're becoming because your behavior shapes your identity, but your behavior also shapes your outcomes. And yeah. so it's, it's kind of just putting the impetus on our decision-making. It's like, you know, you are saying yes to scrolling through Facebook. You are saying yes right. to watching that YouTube video. You are yeah. saying yes to, and so it's just like, are these the things you really want to be saying yes to, or is this just like a habit? I'm saying yes to junk food late at night. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I mean, if you eat it, then that's true, right? It is true. Absolutely. Um, why do you recommend journaling? Why do you like journaling so much? I mean, you're a writer, but do you recommend it for others that are creatives that you coach or that you work with and clients? Is uh, What's the value in journaling for men? Because I have a feeling not so many men are journaling necessarily. Yeah, I think journaling is so much more important than creativity. Although obviously it can build creativity hugely. Mm-hmm. Journaling for me is about emotional regulation Mm-hmm. Um, emotional regulation is a skill that I think people haven't gotten good at, but we're all dealing with stuff. You're dealing with stuff. We're dealing with COVID-19. You're dealing with a hundred decisions that you're trying to make in your life, even if it's just to be a better father or husband. Yep. There's stuff on your mind and that stuff fogs your system if you're not just getting clear. 
even if just writing for 10 minutes in the morning about what you're, what you're going through. Victor Fickle said that emotion, which is suffering, ceases to be suffering when you give it a clear picture. And then, you know, there's a lot to be said about this, but I'll, I'll quote Mr. Rogers, who said, anything that is human is mentionable and anything that is mentionable becomes more manageable. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it's just about learning how to get your thoughts and feelings out of your head so that you can actually like make decisions about them, clarify them rather than dwelling on the same thoughts or the same feelings or being unclear about how you're feeling. Like for me, it's mostly honestly about clearing yourself up so that you can actually make decisions. Um, I also do it in the morning kind of when I'm before I jump into all the inputs so that I can kind of get inspiration. I mean, I'm writing about my future self. I'm writing about my goals and I'm in a, I'm in for myself. I'm in my car, you know, which is kind of a quiet place away from my five kids. And I'm just, I've given myself space to write. And I do pray and meditate before I do it, but I get all sorts of ideas, man. I get, I mean, to me, it's just, it's a place where I can get inspiration and ideas. And I get the ideas to write the articles, but I also get more practical ideas. Like, you know what? I think I need to go on, you know, I need to spend some time with Caleb, my son today. Like I just need to spend some time with him because I feel like I'm a little disconnected to him. I give myself the space to get those insights so I can actually move my life forward. That's great. I mean, it sounds like we use it the same way. I, have you had the experience? Because I have a big stack of old journals and sometimes I'll just, I'll pick up something from a few years ago and I'll start thumbing through it. And it's so inspiring because I'm like, oh, look, I mentioned you know a podcast called Basecamp for Men way back then. I just jotted it down. I had no idea that I wanted to do it. It was just a it was just a, a journaling entry. And then all of a sudden, as I thumb through the journal, I can see the idea reoccurring and picking up steam. And then there's also ideas that I'm like, why did I drop that exactly? That that might be relevant now. So there's stuff in my old journals that that is creative and that, um, uh, you know, has materialized, but also, and there's stuff that never amounted to anything, but that's fine. It was just in the journal. But I just think it's really interesting to go back, look at what I was journaling about and then see, oh, did my future self grab onto that and create that? Or did I, did I, drop it or did not want to do it? Or was it ceased to be a good idea three years later or whatever the case may be? Do you ever go back and look at stuff or? I don't do it that often, but I've recently done some of it. And I do, you know, because of the thing I said, I put in the front of my journals, it's fun to go back and look at that. But I've actually gone back recently and read some old journals because I do keep mine as well. And it is, I mean, everything you said, nail on the head. I mean, interesting to see how things have unfolded, the things that I was thinking about that I thought were a big deal that obviously didn't become a big deal. And yeah. uh, it was just fun to see as well the game. You know what I mean? Like seeing okay. how the distance traveled. Like I'm a big believer that your identity is shaped by the things you're pursuing. Your, di- your identity is shaped by your goals. Yep. And it's fun to look at the goals that, I, that meant so much to me back then and just mm-hmm. to see like that's what I was wrapped up in. It's not what I'm focused on anymore. And so I, I just, it's, it's a blast. I mean, to me, it's so fun to, to see where you were as a person back then. That's why I think you should be just really honest in your journals. That's great. I love the, uh, you know, the, the teaching that the past is also open to interpretation because I think that we can get really boxed in by our past, whether it's our family history or some trauma or, you know, we took a wrong turn and failed over here. And so it still is kind of dogging us in our subconscious mind and that, that the past is also completely open to a fresh interpretation if you're willing to walk there, you know, and not be so unconscious about the past, I guess is one way to say it. Yeah. I think the book that I would point people to on this is super heavy. Mm-hmm. People might not want to do it. So I'll just give it to you in 40 seconds. But um, the book is called Time and Psychological Explanation. It's by a guy named Brent Slife, one of the smartest mm-hmm. psychologists I've ever heard of. But um, 
Yeah, that book's a, a doozy. And basically what, it, what he says, because a lot of people think that the past is the thing driving who we are today. And in many ways it can be, but from life's perspective and kind of more from a psychological perspective, he's act, he actually explains that the past is driven by the present. <laughs> and so let me explain, like, he, you know, we're always interpreting the past through our lens, you know, mm-hmm. like you never actually see something as it is. You see something as you are, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a Covey quote. And so it's like your past is always viewed from the perspective of your current self. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully the lens is changing a little bit on how you're seeing not only the world, but also your own history and, mm-hmm. and the meanings that you give to prior events. Hopefully you're giving them better meanings. You've got more context to draw from to actually explain and understand things. I mean, I, in the book, I'm quite open about my own challenges. You know, being an 11-year-old kid, parents get divorced, father becomes a drug addict. Of course, the 11-year-old version of me um, was interpreting the world and was creating meanings from my experiences. And those meanings had huge implications to how I saw myself and the goals and the choices I made. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the version of me today can look on those former experiences and create different meanings, hopefully better meanings to explain those events. And even, um, you know, and how I relate to my dad, I don't need to f- still hold the same feelings towards my dad as the 11 year old kid did who was impacted by those experiences. I can, I can choose to view him differently as well and relate even to the former version of him and the former version of me. I mean, from a psychology perspective, you're based on the relationships that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you have relationships, like I have a relationship with my computer, you know, I have a relationship with uh, my cell phone. I have a relationship with my, my former self as well. And even my memories with my dad. Yep. And I can change those relationships and change and change the meaning of the past and the interpretation of it and even my whole narrative of it. That's great. That's great. Well, Ben, other than the release of Personality Isn't Permanent, which is coming, is that, uh, did I say June 20th is the release date on that? June 16th. June 16th. Okay, we'll look forward to that. Are there any other creative projects you'd like our listeners to know about? Any workshops or anything that you'd like to mention to them uh, uh, other than the book? Uh, the book's the main thing, man. I mean, the books, I think that this book, I think that it will really help people. I think that, you know, I think that this book is, you know, obviously I'm the writer, so I'm biased, but I think it's pretty dang high quality. My future self may disagree. But, <laughs> um, yeah, this book's got about 150 journal prompts throughout it. Uh, I think nice. having journal prompts is a really great way to journal. Start, you know, qu- starting with a question is great. But yeah, if you go to benjaminhardy.com, you can learn about free giveaways that we have associated with this book. You know, whether it be several free online courses teaching, you know, how to, how to let go of the past, how to design the future, journal, you know, journal strategies, even blogging strategies if anyone's interested in blogging. So benjaminhardy.com is a place to learn about stuff. And uh, yeah, I would please, I would encourage people to go check out Personality Isn't Permanent. That's great. And Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your insights and wisdom. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you and good luck with the book. Uh, and uh, hopefully with this COVID-19, we'll be, we'll be coming out of this soon and things will be picking up uh, creatively and, and expansively and good luck with everything. Dude, you're awesome, man. Thank you. It was a huge pleasure. Thanks, man. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Ben. Hopefully you picked up some new insights on creating your future self. For more information on Dr. Benjamin Hardy, go to www.benjaminhardy.com. He's written tons of great articles that just about anyone could benefit from. And go pick up a copy of his new book, Personality Isn't Permanent. And when you do, if you go to benjaminhardy.com and give them your purchase code, Ben has some great free resources for you when you do. 
That's our show for today. Men, remember that the story of your life is not yet all told. I'm Tony Rezac, and thank you for listening to Basecamp for Men.